Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning. It's good to see you here. Thank you for braving this fierce California storm. It is misting heavy out there right now. Well, we're continuing through our Advent talks. And I don't know why, but I I really feel like the Lord is doing something in my heart about the season. Because I have a difficult time with Christmas. I, I don't know if you do as well. I know there's the pressure financially that seems to come upon us. How many people go in debt just trying to buy things for family? And, and there's the the parties which we went to last night. We had the Connect party. That was great. But maybe there's a work party as well. And then, you know, you've got to go spend Christmas Eve somewhere, Christmas Day somewhere. If you're married, you might have to go to two places in one day. And one might be in Temecula and the other one's in Burbank. And you've got to do them both, you know, in the one day. And, and you have to pace yourself. And so there's a lot of pressure oftentimes that can come upon us just during the season. But I, I'm coming to a place where you know, I, I really don't care uh, about the pressure. I, I really don't care about all the requirements that are there. I, I really want to be aware of what God has done and what God is doing in my life. Because this whole story is about engagement in what God has done. And so this morning, I want to talk about promises. I want to talk about crazy ideas And I'm going to talk about what's in the name. And first we start off with this idea of a promise. And turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Because 700 years before Christ is born, there is a promise that is given. And you know how it is when you make promises or maybe someone makes a promise to you. If you ever make a promise to your kid, they will remember it, okay? I remember one time, my mom's not going to remember this, but I remember this. Sorry, mom, I didn't forewarn you about this. Give her grace, you guys, okay? 
she needs it because she had to deal with me her whole life. We used to drive home when we were living out in Hollywood. And I must have been in third grade, so I was probably eight years old. And I don't know what it was, but there was this like a little small... Uh, it wasn't an amusement park, but there was this little kind of carnival that had like a roller coaster and ride that we would drive by on the way home. And I remember thinking, I want to go to that. Do you remember that? No, see, I knew she wouldn't. And I remember, Mom, I, can you take me there? And she says, I promise I will. And so I remember that. The park closed. And I'm still going to therapy today because of, no. It's just funny how you retain certain things. And when God makes a promise, it's a promise that sticks. It's a promise that he is going to fulfill. And so we start in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. He says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Wow. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah is describing a, a time in Israel's history where they are enslaved, where they are oppressed, where those who are living without hope because of the oppression that is upon them. And God is promising, no, you who are living in this darkness, there's going to be a time where God is going to change that. He's going to transform that darkness into light. He's going to bring hope where it has been extinguished. And if you've ever been at a time in your life where there's a situation that you just feel hopeless in, most of us have been there at some point and at some time. And it just seems like there's no way out of the circumstance. There's just no getting above it. There's no getting through it. And God is saying, no, there that's where I'm going to bring about this change. It's an obvious thing throughout Scripture. There is this continual narrative that God is hearing the cries of those who are desperate and in difficult situations. He hears the cry of the children in Egypt. And so he sends Moses Throughout their history, he hears their cries and sends them prophets and deliverance. And, and it comes to a fulfillment in Christ. It's the th story throughout scripture. That's why we see we're to care for the widow, for the orphan, for the foreigner. Why? Because God cares for them. Those who are estranged, those who are lost, those who are the outcast. 
Who did Jesus go to? He went to the, the publicans, the sinners. The people who were looked down upon were the people who had God's ear. And the people who felt like there was no hope, God says, I'm going to make hope shine on you there in your darkness. God cares about the oppressed, the cries of those who are calling out to him. And that's why in Psalms, Psalm 56, verse 8, it says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. What description do you hear of God that is this personal? Where where do we get an idea that God cares so much about every tear that he keeps track of it? You see, but now here in this position of Israel, when there's darkness, God says, I'm promising you there's going to be hope. I'm promising you there's going to be light. And the great news is that promise comes to fulfillment and we get to partake in it. You know, sometimes you get a crazy idea Something just comes into your mind and you think, oh, I wonder what would happen if I put a firecracker in a bucket and then make a vacuum so that the explosion pushes off the water that it's in. I wonder how high that bucket can go. You guys ever think that? No? Oh, okay. Maybe it's just me, but that's something we would do. And so I'm, I'm having to help my children, you know, explore. It's a scientific experiment. You know, I'm trying to show them how vacuums can create pressure, and then the pressure, you know, can send a, a can high up in the air. And so I have my children gathered around me in the backyard for the scientific experiment. And I have these firecrackers. And so sure enough, I put one in this can and I put it in a saucepan filled with water and I light the fuse and I'm a, you know, cautious parent. So I said, stand back. And so we're about a foot and a half away, you know, (laughs) and we light it and boom, this coffee can goes flying up in the air. I mean, they, they'll go high. Don't try this at home unless you want to, um, it just goes flying up and I'm seeing this can and I'm just ecstatic. I'm thinking, this is so cool. And then it starts coming down and I'm like, oh no, my kids are all around where it's coming down. And there's my son, Daniel, looking straight at it, looking straight at it. And it comes and it boom, right on the head. <laughs> Hits him. I don't know why I'm finding it so funny right now. Because I was panicked. My wife's going to find out when this happens. And it comes down and he's just looking up and it goes, boom, and it hits him in his head. And he just looks at me and he's got this little line now on his head where the coffee can hit. It's just a crazy idea. And every you know week I'll have one of these every now and then. They don't always involve explosive, but these are things that happen. And you see, as... The writer here is talking. He presents this kind of strange idea where he talks about Midian because Midian, as he says there, um, is really a time where the children of Israel remember the story of Gideon that takes place in the book of Judges chapter 7. 
And it's a, a great story because the, the nation is under control and the Midianites are ruling over them and they have no one to deliver them. And then all of a sudden God shows up to this Gideon and he, he says, I want to use you. And Gideon is not a general. He's not a person who's in charge, but he gathers all these people and he gets all the men together and they're going up against these countless number of Midianites. And then God says, there's too many of you. We need to weed out the herd. And so I want you to send the guys to get some water at this lake where there's this water and all the ones who drink like a dog. I want you to take them, which is like, that's a strange way of weeding out people. Okay. The ones who are sensible and use their hands, they can't fight. But the ones who are there on all fours lapping like a dog, they can, or whatever the reason is. And so now it wheels down to 300 men against thousands. And Gideon is told, send them home. So he does. Okay, guys go. And then they say, okay, how are we going to fight all these Midianites? What do we have? Well, we've got some lamps. Okay, that's good. Lamps are always good in battle. They got spears. We got lamps. And we got these jars. Okay, good. Lamps and jars. We got this. And we got these trumpets. Okay, bingo. Lamps, trumpets, jars. Let's go. And they're out and they have this strategy where they go and surround them at night They send hundreds all around the camp of the Midianites and they put the lamps in the jars. And then at a certain time, they cry out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They crash the jars and they see these lamps all around them. They freak out and they start killing each other. And that's how they win the battle. A crazy idea. And the whole point here is that God is sending them into a place where he's defying logic. He brings victory against all these odds. He uses something that's absurd in our eyes and proves his power and that it's a mysterious power. They talk about burning the boots and the clothes of the war that's been covered in blood and that were used for battle because they are no longer needed. And you see, after this time of Gideon, they experienced 40 years of peace. And this promise is back to that time when we had peace. And we got to burn those clothes that were used for war. That ridiculous battle that God won for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths. And now God is telling Isaiah what he is going to do to bring hope into a hopeless situation, to bring light into darkness. This is my plan. Someone's going to have a baby. That's right. Your expression is saying, what? I'm waiting for more. No, that's it. There's the plan. Someone's going to have a baby. And you think, that's not a a brilliant plan. That's not something that I I would be really overwhelmed with. But that's what he tells us in verse 6. 
He says, for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so here's God's plan. He's going to bring this about. And this promise sounds absurd because it is. It's as absurd as the plan was for Gideon. See, in, in a world that's controlled by empires, war, and rage, God says, don't worry, someone's going to have a baby. And the response is, that doesn't make sense. That's like us, you know, today saying, you know, I know there's a lot of turmoil in the world. I know our country is just divided and there's a lot of friction and there's terrorist worries all around the world. But don't worry, because Randy and Brianna are going to have a baby. And you think, okay, what does that have to do with all these things? It, it, it seems so insignificant. But you see, if we've heard and believed this story, we can lose sight of how crazy it seems. We, we, we hear the idea of Jesus being born and it, it's something that just... We take it for granted. We think of it, oh yeah, of course. But it's such an unlikely event. And we've made it, I think, in our minds often so ordinary. This God would submit his plan for humanity. He would submit it to a young teenage girl. That just seems crazy. And that this child will become not just a king, but the king of kings. And I wanted to try and capture how crazy does that seem? And I hope this helps us. This generous revolution comes through sacrifice. This wonderful counselor Mighty God, everlasting Father, comes as a helpless child. His kingdom is brought about without violence and is still strong enough to overpower the Roman Empire. This story is beyond belief, and yet we are here this morning because of it. And it's the evidence of God that he would take something that seems so foolish and change the world through it. Even like the victory that took place with Gideon. And you see, he is doing this work still. He, he is doing amazing things, but 
How does this happen? You see, I, I am one of these people who has to, to get my mind around it if I'm going to get behind it. And I, I can't fully understand it, but I need some kind of validity. I need it to, to prove itself real to me. I need it to prove that this isn't just some story that someone made up that I've been fed and I'm following along. I need to know if this is something that can transform not only the world, but transform me. And then I start to, to see evidences of this in, in my life throughout the years, of how it's changed me, how it's made me aware of selfish desires and selfishness, has brought an awareness of God's ways in contrast to mine, has brought light into the darkness of my own soul, has brought hope when I was without it and without hope. I've seen God take even this small community of just a few hundred people, if we're all here on the same Sunday, build a cafeteria in Haiti and a latrine and do all the work that we've done. And I think this is an amazing thing. Who would have have thought this? Who would have even wanted to do something like that? And again, I just see the hand of God in all these things. He, He brings peace to the hearts of men and women throughout the world when around them people are fist fighting for a deal for the best TV. And when the craziness is going on, he's able to speak that shalom into our hearts and into our lives. He brings peace when the doctors tell you you have cancer. I got a text from Dave this morning. Terry got to come home for the weekend. And she is doing better. Her, she got a transfusion, a blood transfusion, and her, her uh, blood count is high. And so we're praying that she goes through, gets the bone marrow transplant to be done with this cancer. And when Corrine and I went and saw Terry before she started going through this ordeal and the smiling face doesn't show the pain that she's had to go through. But one of the things that she said is, I can't believe how close God is to me right now. And so at a time when she's going through this cancer and the struggle and the treatment, there is an awareness of God that is really incredible. And I, I need to share with you Dave's text just because it really is beautiful. He says, good morning, a quick update to our church family. Please give everyone our love. Terry came home for the, a week's stay in the hospital on Wednesday. On Friday morning, we returned to the hospital infusion center where terry received one unit of platelets in the afternoon the folks in radiology drained her chest cavity of 1.5 liters of fluid she then had some lab work done breathing much easier now we went home the labs came back with the best blood counts she has had in some time the very best part is we have spent the entire weekend at home together we love and miss you all Thank you again for your many prayers of strength, determination, and victory as we walk this long, discouraging road. It is what keeps us going. Thank you, Lord, for our church family and your healing touch in our lives. 
Merry Christmas, all our love, Terry and Dave. That someone could experience the love of God going through all that she's going through is something that touches my heart. It is the craziness of God. It is the foolishness of God that is wiser than men. It is the weakness of God that is stronger than men. And it is just like God to change the world by showing up as a helpless baby. And what he does is he brings peace in the world filled with anxiety and he helps us to taste of it. Last week, I had you guys at the tables and you're going to go there again in a short time and I had you write down all the things that you wanted God to take away from you. Instead of having a Christmas list of the things we want to get, we wanted to see what do we want to give away. And the number one, hands down, over three times more than anything else, came that of worry, stress, and anxiety. Worried about money, worried about children, worried about health, worried about being single. There was two of those, so I don't know who you are, but keep an eye out, Max Schmaker. You know, anyway... This idea of worrying about things. There was that of anger, anger about past hurts, anger about relationships, anger in general, depression, frustration, selfishness, unforgiveness, impatience, addictions to drugs, foods, alcohol, past mistakes, past regrets. You see, and... The truth is that God doesn't always deliver us from these things. In other words, you you might still worry about finances or you might still be in that same place where you're still struggling financially and God doesn't always change or deliver us from things, but most often what he does is he delivers us in them. In other words, I can be in this place and I can be delivered from the fear even though I'm in the same circumstance. And and that's exactly what he does. These names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, they create new conditions in the same circumstances. They give us a different understanding, even though the situation doesn't change, something changes within us. Because we are the people who are announcing a different story. Because there is a different king, there is a different empire, there is a different economy, which is an economy of generous love that has been demonstrated to us that we now get to demonstrate. In verse 7, he goes on and he says that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This kingdom announcement is spoken also by Gabriel in Luke's gospel. It's a global reign. It's an eternal reign. It's a reign that's filled with shalom, with peace. We are invited to live in this kingdom inwardly through faith. 
And this idea of wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are the things that change us. These are the things that shape us. And oftentimes what happens is God has to change the world that's in us first before he can change the world through us. And so what I want this morning is us to give room for him to change the world in us. And and as I was going over the list that you guys had gave, the things that you wanted to give away, I'm aware that we are broken, fragmented people, that we have all kinds of issues. And there's no covering it up. We're not trying to cover it up. We know that, I know that, you know that. That's who we are. That's who God hears. That's who God has come for. And what we want to do is open our hearts to what he's doing. And so if I could have you guys just go to the tables nearest you, pick some people you're comfortable with. We're just going to ask a couple of questions and I'm going to have you write down one thing. It won't take very long. And I know some of you have anxiety over meeting and talking with new people. This is how we get rid of it. And what I'm going to ask you, first of all, is in this description, in these names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, which one stands out the most to you? And I want you to share that. Now, we only have two people at this table, and we are like 20 at this table. Someone's got to join the Vicks over here. Come on over here. So out of these names here, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, which one stands out to you and why? Share that at your table. Which one of those jumps out at you and and means something to you? Explain what that is and what it means to you. Boy, it's quiet here. Okay. Anyone jump out to you? And if it's a name, why does it jump out to you? Why do you like that description of Christ? Any questions about that question? Okay, go. Don't be so silent. Talking about it. Talk about it amongst yourselves. Don't write it down. Talk about it. Yes. I want you to look at these names and talk about which one means the most to you and why does it mean, why does it, why do you like the fact that he's mighty God? Is it because I feel like I can trust him or that he's everlasting father because it gives me the idea of having an actual father, whatever it is, that name that stands out to you, why does it stand out to you? Why are you drawn to that name? What does it mean to you? Share it with one another. Another minute. Okay, I'd just like to get a a show of hands. How many picked Wonderful Counselor? Yes. You did? Okay. Thank you. How many picked Mighty God? How many picked Everlasting Father? How many picked Prince of Peace? A majority. Cool. I picked Prince of Peace. That's one that meant something to me. Now I want you to write down what or how do you want that title that meant something to you to transform you? How do you expect 
the Prince of Peace say for myself? How do I want the Prince of Peace to transform me? I want him to give me his peace in my life and in my circumstances. Don't use my answer. That's mine. But write down whatever one you picked out. If it was everlasting father, how do you want the awareness that Jesus is your everlasting father to affect your life and change your life? These names that are given are given so that they can change us. An awareness that he is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. That name can bring about change. As you're writing that down, I'll tell you a story of when our first children were born, the twins. We have to pick out names. And it was so stressful because we knew we were having twins and we didn't want to know if it was a boy or a girl. So we had to pick out four names because we had to have two names for boys and then two names for girls. And we'd go through the names and someone, you know, Corrine would say, well, what about this name? And I'd say, no, I went to high school with a guy like that and I hated him. (laughs) Or whatever. There was a story behind almost all the names that we picked And so that name came with this identity. And we were so concerned, this name that we're going to give our children, how is it going to affect them? How is it going to affect us? And so there was a lot of consternation over picking those names. Remember that? So we flipped a coin and read, no, we... These are names that are given. Write down, how do you expect Wonderful Counselor to change you? The Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The reason that we've been doing this last week and this week is because we want to make this season about actually getting closer to people. We thought it would be great to have you sit at a table across from people instead of just staring up at front and talking about things. See, I'd love to hear some of the stories of why Everlasting Father meant something to you because I bet those of you who put that down had some father issues. Just guessing. I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that's it. Now that if you know that about someone, that's an amazing insight that you have into someone's life. You've just gotten a lot closer. And I hope that this brings the opportunity to bring us closer together. And what I want most of all is for us to recognize that God is going to change us right where we are. That it's in the darkness that his light shines. And where does it shine? It shines in you. And then it shines from you. And so Jesus would say, you are the light of the world. Why? We're we're living under the oppression of Rome. We're living under, uh, you know, this chaotic, you know, 
government that we're in and this world that has, you know, sent 12 million refugees scattered throughout the world more than any other time except for World War II. How how does God show up? He shows up in us. And then he shows up through us. And in the craziness that's taking place, it's the opportunity for God to bring transformation. And it seems like such a small, insignificant thing, like a baby being born from a young teenage girl to bring about a revolution of mankind that is continuing today. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your crazy wisdom, for how you change us and then allow us to see the world differently, to live under your rule, to live for a new kingdom, a new empire, to have a generous love that is sacrificial because it has been exemplified to us by you. And I pray for everyone here who is sitting at these tables. I pray that you would inspire their imagination to see the light that you are shining into the life they are living now. And whatever the circumstances and however hopeless they might feel, there's good news. A child is born, a son is given. And through him, you are changing us. And through us, you are changing the world. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's sing one last song? Amen. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. We are those people. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you here next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.